This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. P-E-P-Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents... The Adventures of Superman. Today, the easy money that lured Mary Hennig into petty crime has become a dangerous liability, not only to herself, but to Lois Lane, who befriended her, and to Jimmy Olsen as well. Hello there, gang. This is your pal, Dan McCullough. Say, isn't eating a barrel of fun now that fresh fruits are coming into season? Why, you can dress up your breakfast dish of Kellogg's Pep into a hubba-hubba affair, like this week's Pep Dish of the Week, for example. There's a treat that's really in the groove. It's called a black raspberry ringer, and here's how it goes. You pour out your regular serving of Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. On top, or on the edge of your bowl, make a wide ring of plump, juicy black raspberries. Add milk and sugar, and that's a black raspberry ringer. Why, it runs rings around anything you ever tasted. Of course, no matter how you dish it up, Kellogg's Pep is an appetite tickler from way back. It's golden toasted and crisp and loaded with sparkling sunshine flavor. You see, Pep is called the sunshine cereal, and it tastes so sunny and good that, well, you'll want to polish your bowl clean as a whistle. And a mighty smart idea that is, especially nowadays, when the cereal grains are being sent to fellows and girls overseas. So, gang, when Mom brings Kellogg's Pep home from the grocers, make sure it's not wasted. If you pour your own pet, pour it carefully and eat up every bit you pour out. That's all, gang, but it's important. Eat all your pet. Don't waste it. Now, the adventures of Superman. When the Daily Planet accused Martin Higgins, a candidate for mayor of Metropolis, of being in league with criminals who encouraged juvenile delinquency, Higgins sued the paper for $1 million. Now, the planet faces ruin because their evidence against the corrupt politician has been stolen. Clark Kent rightly suspected 15-year-old Mary Hennig, a new employee, as the thief. But while he searched for her, Lois Lane caught the young girl tough red-handed in the planet office after hours. And in an ensuing fight, was knocked out by her. When Jimmy Olsen arrived a short time later to call for Lois, he was attacked by two thugs who had been sent to help Mary. And taken with Lois to a shabby tenement building. As we continue, it is the same night. And Kent, worried by Lois's and Jimmy's failure to keep an appointment, and unable to locate them, is at the planet offices with editor Perry White. In the deserted city room, Kent is questioning the night elevator operator. Listen. 
Say you brought Miss Lane up here about 8 o'clock, Mike. Uh, that's right, Mr. Kent. Uh-huh. And I brought young Jim Olsen up maybe a half or three quarters of an hour later. And you're sure you didn't take them down again? I'm positive. I didn't take anybody down tonight. But you must have. Miss Lane and Jim aren't here. Just a moment, Chief. Was any other elevator in the building running after 8 o'clock, Mike? Uh, no, sir. Just mine. I'm on duty from 7.30 to midnight. Then I go home. And the watchman takes over my car. Uh-huh. Something's crazy, Kent. If Mike's was the only elevator running and Lois and Jim didn't go down in it, how did they leave here? Suppose they could have used the stairs. No, they couldn't have used the stairs. The stair hall doors are locked at night. Then how did they get out? Forget that for a minute, Chief. Take a look over here in Lois's office. Well, what do you expect to find in Lois's office? Well, see for yourself. Now, wait till I put the light on. There. Notice anything, Chief? No. What's there to notice? The furniture is placed differently. It is? Sure. This small chair always stands by the window, and this armchair next to the desk. So what? Maybe the porter moved the stuff when he was cleaning. Oh. The porter doesn't get to this floor yet. So what? And Lois moved the stuff herself. You know how women are. They're always changing things around. Look, the furniture was in its usual position at 6 o'clock this evening. And Lois came back after dinner to write a story, not to move furniture. She was in a hurry, too. She was to meet us in Inspector Henderson's office at 9. What are you driving at, Kent? Just this, Chief. I think something happened in this office tonight, and someone moved the furniture back afterwards to make it look as if nothing had happened. Only whoever it was didn't move it back to its right place. No, wait a minute, Kent. Hold it, Chief. I just noticed something else. Yeah? What? On the floor here behind the window drape. Look. This is interesting. What is it? Looks like a metal paperweight. And heavy, too. Mm, I never saw that on Lois's desk before. Neither did I. And it would make a pretty weapon, don't you think so? It sure would. I'd hate to get hit with it. I think someone did get hit with it tonight. Now, who would get beamed with a paperweight here? Lois, and... maybe. Or Jim. What? Are you out of your mind? No, no, what, Chief? Look, Mike. Yeah. Did you take anyone other than Miss Lane or Jim Olsen up here tonight? Uh, let me see now. Uh, uh, no. Uh, you see, Kent? Uh, wait, wait a minute. Come to think of uh, I did bring up somebody else. You did? It was when I first come on duty. Who was it, Mike? A young kid, a girl. A girl? Oh, you know who she was? Uh, her name was on an employee's pass, but I just remember what it was. Could it be Mary Hennig? Yeah, that's it. And I didn't take her down, either. Well, what's she doing up here after hours? What I think is that Lois came up here and found Mary snooping around. Maybe Mary had somebody else with her. Oh, forget it. Mike just told us he brought up no one else. Well, that's nothing. Someone may have come up the fire escape. Someone who works with Mary. Well, what are you talking about? Works with Mary on what? Look, Chief, whether you believe it or not, I still think Mary stole those second letters. Well, if that's true, it would be pretty stupid for her to come back here to the scene of her crime. Not if she hid them here someplace because she was afraid to try to get out with them earlier today, during all the excitement that followed the disappearance. Well, with no one here to watch her, it would be a cinch to pick them up and take them away. Mm, that must make sense, I suppose. But why are you so dead certain Mary's the thief? For a number of reasons, all bound up by circumstantial evidence, which I pointed out to you before. Well, you don't want to hang a person on circumstantial evidence, do you? Particularly when all the things you mentioned may have been nothing more than coincidence. Coincidence? Oh, now, look, it's no coincidence that Al Vincent, a man known to make thieves of kids for his own profit, was tipped off when his place was to be raided. And it's no coincidence that Vincent is Martin Higgins' partner. And that Mary Hennig, who was present when we planned the raid, was also present when you told Jim where to hide the Higgins letters. I don't know. And when those letters disappeared a short while later, you could hardly call that a coincidence, could you? Mm, does seem peculiar, but... Uh. Just the same confounded. I, I find it hard to believe that a nice kid like Mary Hennig could be hired to steal from us. Well, I'll prove it to you before long, Chief. Uh, we'll see. What do you suppose happened to Lois and Jim? I hope you don't think that kid dragged them off someplace. That's exactly what I do think. What? Oh, she didn't do it alone. Sure, she had help. But who? Why? Well, I don't know who exactly. Though I'm sure Higgins and Vincent are behind it. But the reason's fairly obvious. Lois and Jim must have been here when Mary arrived and caught her red-handed. Then, because they knew too much, they were taken away. Great Scott, if that's true... Then this is a job for Superman. No, we can't wait to contact Superman, Kent. We've got to get the police on this immediately. I'll get Henderson on the phone right away. Okay, Chief. Meanwhile, I'll do some snooping on my own. Uh, no, Kent, wait, wait. You'll, you'll get into trouble. Don't you worry about me. Hope I'm not too late to keep Lois and Jim out of trouble.
spots are changed to Superman. Out of these clothes. And fast. Because something tells me that this is the time for speed. There we are. Now, if only I can find Al Vincent, I'm sure I can find Lois and Jim. Up, up, and away! How do you feel, Miss Lane? Oh, as though a house had fallen on me, Jim. Where... Where are we? It's too dark to see. It feels and smells like a damp cellar. Somewhere, probably. Yeah, I guess so. Doesn't matter much, though. We're in a pretty bad spot any way you look at it. We certainly are. Thanks to that awful Mary Hennig. When I think of how she fooled me by acting like such a nice, unfortunate kid, I... Well, I could kick my fellow. Oh, you couldn't help it, Miss Lane. She did put on a swell act. Perfect. Two-timing little brat. Now, take it easy, Miss Lane. Being mad at Mary isn't going to get us out of this. Oh, I know. And I'm afraid anything may happen now that we're in Al Vincent's hands. But that man's poison, Jim. I don't think he'd stop it at anything. Oh, gee whiz, you don't think he'd, he'd really do anything... Well, anything really serious to us, do you? Well, he didn't hesitate to have Tony Sloan thrown in the river, did he? Yeah, I know, but... Now that we know that Mary Hannah stole the Higgins letters for him, it hardly seems logical to expect that he'll just let us walk away from here, does it? No. No, I guess not. Oh, if I could just get my hands on Mary Hennig. When I think of how that little thief pulled oh, the wall forget up that, my Miss Lane. Just... Look, right now we got to concentrate on how to get out of here. Seems impossible, Jim. There's only one door, and that's plenty secure. That's right, but just the same... I... Quiet, Jim. What's the matter? Sounds like somebody unlocking the door. But what puzzles me is why whoever it is speaks so quiet and cautious about it. It does seem funny, doesn't it? Damn that, Jim. It's opening. Jeepers. Look who it is. Their eyes wide with surprise, Lois Lane and Jim Olsen stare at a figure which, dimly illuminated by the light of a lantern... Stands framed in the open doorway. Who is it? Prisoners of Al Vincent in the basement room of an old tenement building in the metropolis slums, Lois Lane and Jim Olsen were discussing their seemingly hopeless predicament when suddenly the door of their prison was softly unlocked and cautiously opened. Well, jeepers, Miss Lane. Look who it is. <gasps> Why, it's, it's Mary Hennig. What do you want now, you lie on the sleep plane? Don't... I'm sorry, honest I am. No, oh, I'll bet you are. I am. I am honest. I, I couldn't help it. Oh, don't give me that stuff. It's true, sir. Help. Vincent made me do it. You'll have to make up a better story than that to get me to believe you again, Mary. I'll, I'll tell you everything, Miss Lane. But not now. There's no time if you want to get out of here. What? Don't talk. Just follow me. Are you kidding? You don't think we're going to fall for this gag, do you, Mary? This is a gag. Honestly, well, I want to... us for a couple of dopes? No, no, listen. There's not much time. We're not buying any more of your lies, Mary Hennig. Now get out of here. Oh, look, you... you got to listen to me and do like I say. Now, you... You've got to trust me. Follow me before Vincent gets a chance to do what he... Hey, who's that talking down there? Oh, who's that? Steve. He's one of Vincent's trigger men. That you down there, Chicky? Chicky? Yeah, that's me. Oh, look, Miss Lane, maybe we better follow her. Okay. It? You ain't talking. I'll come down and have a look for myself. Good heavens. What can we do? I don't know. I'm afraid it's too late to do anything. Now. Trembling fearfully in the dimly lit basement room, Mary Hennig looks wide-eyed toward the shadowed flight of stairs as Lois Lane and Jim Olsen stand by helplessly. What will happen? Was Mary Hennig a juvenile delinquent making an honest effort to go straight and escape with our friends from Al Vincent and his crooked politicians who kept her on the road to crime? 
Or was this just another trap? Tomorrow's episode is a real thriller, so don't miss it. Tune in, same time, same station, and learn what happens to youthful lawbreakers. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pet. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pet, the sunshine cereal. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, aha. Uh-huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot. On surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as low as $11.99 per month, those are backs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F E N I X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. P-E-P, Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal presents... The Adventures of Superman. Today, Lois Lane and Jimmy Olsen view Mary Hennig's offer to help them with distrust. As terrified and conscience-stricken, the young girls seek desperately to make amends. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. Say, uh, you want to go prospecting for gold tomorrow morning? Well, then, just dig down on your breakfast bowl of Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, and see how your spoon comes up loaded with golden, sunny flavor. Believe me, Pep's as good as gold when it comes to sharpening the edge of your morning appetite. Makes you want to hitch up your chair and settle down to the solid sort of breakfast that helps start your day in high. You know, Kellogg's Pep gives you solid whole wheat nourishment plus. And is this whole wheat flake cereal crisp? Is it tender? And does breakfast get the glad eye when Kellogg's Pep heads the menu? Why, your very first spoonful tastes so terrific, you'll want to keep right on until you've eaten up every flake of Kellogg's Pep in your bowl. After all, nobody wants to waste Pep. So pour it carefully and polish off every bit you pour out. That's particularly important nowadays, you know, because the cereal grains, like the whole wheat and Kellogg's Pep, have been picked out to help give good nourishment to fellows and girls all around the world. Keep that in mind when Mom brings Pep home from the grocers. Tip off the rest of your family, too. Get the right habit, gang. Eat all your Pep. Don't waste it. Now, the adventures of Superman. Victory over the evil forces behind a wave of juvenile delinquency was snatched from our 
friends on the Daily Planet by a 15-year-old tough named Mary Hennig, herself a juvenile delinquent trained in crime, who stole certain letters which exposed Martin Higgins, corrupt candidate for mayor of association with criminal racketeers. Caught red-handed in the Planet office by Lois Lane, Mary lost her head and struck down the girl reporter with a heavy metal object. Then, when Jim Olsen came to look for Lois, he was knocked out by two thugs. And together, Lois and Jimmy were locked up in the store of a shabby tenement building owned by Al Vincent, trainer and brains of a band of youthful criminals and a Higgins henchman. While Superman, worried by their disappearance, searched for his friends, they were visited in their basement prison by the young girl Tuff, who, frightened and conscience-stricken, wanted to help them escape. But before she could convince Jim and Lois of her sincerity, one of Vincent's men called to her from the floor above. As our story continues today, Lois, Jim, and Mary are standing in the darkness of the cellar. Mary is tense with terror. Listen. That's Steve, one of Vincent's girls. How does he know you're down here? He doesn't. But if he finds me here, we're all sunk. Good heavens. What do we do? Oh, relax, Miss Lane. I think this is just another one of Mary's tricks. No, no, this ain't a trick. I swear it ain't. Now, look, Mary. You've got to listen to me. You've got to. Chicky, you down here? Chicky? Who's that? That's me. Holy smoke. Hey, Chicky. He's coming closer. Better get ready to do something in case he gets off. Look, Mary, you got something I can beam him with? No, that won't help you. He'll only bring the others. Listen, I got an idea. Bang on the door, Miss Lane. What? Well, what good's that going to be? Quick, do like I say. Bang hard and holler like you want to get out of here. Go on. If I find you down, Ed Chicky, but you'll I am too late. No, no, it ain't. Look, I'll pound it. You holler. Hey, what's the matter with you? Go on, holler, please. Make up what you locked in. Both of you. You out there. Door. Yeah, let us out of here. Open this door, I say. You can't get away with this. Open it up. <laughs> shut up, or I'm coming here and shut you. Uh-oh. It looks like this may boomerang, Mary. Cut it out now. I think maybe it looked good enough. Hey, what's going on down there, Steve? Not all of these reporters is getting kind of wrecked. Who's he talking to? Al Vincent. Ah, we got a fire. Take a look at them two down there. Come on up. Uh-oh. Here it comes. Ah, they're okay, Al. This little mess, that's all. All right, come on up. Going away. Oh, it was awful close. Yes. Not too close for comfort. What do we do now? Got to look at that. You see, Vincent's waiting for a phone call. As soon as he gets it, he, he's going to take you two for a ride. Oh, no. Well, cut it out, Mary. That's a lot of baloney, and you know it. He wouldn't dare try anything. It's like... the truth, Jim, so help me. Yeah. Like the pack of lies you told Miss Lane to get a job on the planet so you could tip off Al Vincent about Tony Sloan having the letters, huh? No, Jim. I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. My eye. Wouldn't have helped if Tony Sloan had been murdered. I didn't know anything was going to happen to him. No, huh? Like you didn't know the Daily Planet was going to be put out of business by a million-dollar slander suit when you stole those letters. This is no time to argue. I tell you, I couldn't help what I'd done. I had to do it. Applesauce. That's enough, Jim. I know I got you into this jam, and now... Well, now I want to help you get out of it. You've got to believe me. All right, Mary. I will believe you. What can we do? Now, wait a minute, Miss Lane. How do we know she isn't going to lead us into more trouble? We've got to trust it, Jim. Certainly, we can't be any worse off than we are now, can we? Well... Look, I'm taking as much of a chance as you are. Because if I get caught... Well, that's all, brother. For heaven's sake, let's stop talking and do something. Okay. Follow me as quiet as you can through this doorway. I'd still like to stake my chances on Mr. Kent and Inspector Henderson finding us. Now stop acting like that, Jim. Shh. Don't make any noise. Come on. As Jim Olson and Lois Lane, still unsure of Mary Hennig's honesty, cautiously follow the girl tough through the dark cellar in the hope of escape. Superman and his guise of Clark Kent is looking for them. Certain that their disappearance is tied up with Al Vincent, Kent has been vainly trying to find a crooked pawnbroker's unlisted address. Now, his hat pulled down over his eyes, he is affecting the mannerism of a gangster. 
and has just entered a pool room in the slum district where he questions the proprietor, Earl Lake. What do you want with Al Vincent? I gotta see him. Something important just came up, and I got the office to pass it on to Al. Yeah? From who? From the boss. Who's the boss? Hey, what is this? You know who I mean, Marty Higgins. Yeah, yeah. How come Higgins didn't tell you where to find Vincent? I, he said I go to the pawn shop, but it's closed. I call back Marty's house, but nobody answers. Now, look, Colonel, I just got to see Vincent. If I don't, and right away, it's going to be too bad for Marty in the elections. For you, too. Get that? For me? Yeah. What do you mean? Look, pal, you don't have to play games with me. How about the string of pool rooms you own, and about the gambling rooms in the back, and about the kids you let in? Now, wait a minute. We know you need Marty's protection. I also give him 15 grand to help him get elected mayor. How'd you know? Uh, I mean... Don't give me that routine. I tell you, I'm in the know. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And how come you don't know where Vincent lives? Because I work in Marty's downtown district. I don't have much to do with this district. Tonight, something bad came up, and Marty told me to contact Al Vincent. Now, are you going to stall around all night and maybe ruin Marty's chances for mayor? Or do you tell me where Vincent lives? Well, I guess I can tell you. Only I've got to be careful, because Vincent don't like certain people to know where he lives. All right, all right, but I'm not just certain people. Come on, spill, and fast. Okay, okay. Vincent's place is an old broken-down brownstone at 1619 Hudson Street. 1619 Hudson, eh? Yeah. Thanks, pal. That's all I want to know. Hey, listen. What's your name? Tell you next time I see you. So long. Hurrying from the pool room, Kent steps into a dark doorway. Quickly, he strips off his business suit, and a moment later stands revealed in the blue and red costume of Superman. Something tells me there's no time to lose. Go straight to 1619 Hudson Street. Up! Up and away! Leaping high into the night sky, Superman streaks away toward Al Vincent's hideout, where, at this moment, the lives of Lois Lane and Jim Olsen are more than ever endangered. Will he arrive in time? While Superman and his guise of Clark Kent was posing as a gangster to learn the address of Al Vincent's hideout, Lois Lane and Jim Olsen were blindly following Mary Hennig through a dark basement. As we rejoin them now... Still not sure the girl tough is to be trusted. They inch quietly across the damp concrete floor in response to her whispered urging. Come on, hurry, please. Where are we going? To the coal bin. The coal bin? Yeah. Said an iron cover set in a hole on the sidewalk for the coal to be dropped through. If we can open oh, that... that chance. You got a better idea, Jim? Oh, no. Well, then I... be quiet. You've got to work. Watch it. Don't slip on the loose coal here. Okay, hold it. Wait till I light this flashlight. Now, this coal pitch up there. See? Uh-huh. Like a small manhole. Yeah, but it's big enough for us to slip through. Boost me up, Jim. I'll open it and get out. Then you can boost Miss Lane and I'll help oh, her. I'm nothing doing. I'm not taking any chances of you running out on us. But I told you... You and Miss Lane together can boost me up. Lock your hands together and make a stir. Now, look here, Jim. Like I say, Miss Lane, please. Oh, well, all right. Come on, Miss. Give me your hand. Okay. Yeah, now, how's that? All right. Steady now. Here I go. Can you reach it? Yeah. Have it open in a jiffy. Hurry, Jim. Yeah, hurry. My arms are breaking. Just another second. Here it comes. Oh, thank heaven. Hey, look out. Oh, 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 oh I'm sorry, Jim. Oh, my hands slipped. Quiet. Gosh. Don't listen. They heard us upstairs. Quick, up on your feet. Okay. Are you hurt? No. Quick, Mary. Let me boost you up. Then you help Miss Lane from up there. But you said... Never mind what I said. I've got to trust you now. Here. Put your foot in my hand. Okay. There you are, I'm in a cold pit. Don't move. Any one of you. Or I'll shoot the kid. Trapped 
when Lois Lane and Mary Hennig could do nothing but stand and wait helplessly for Al Benson and his henchmen, both of whom approached with drawn guns. Will Superman, still unaware of the seriousness of their position, arrive before the enraged gangsters take drastic and final action? We'll know more tomorrow when we see how the Man of Steel matches wits and power with the vicious politicians who seek to rule a great city and prey on its youth. So be sure to tune in tomorrow, same time, same station, for another thrilling episode in this story of a fight against the forces behind juvenile delinquency. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pet. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Kellogg's Pet. P-E-P-Pet. Kellogg's Pet, the sunshine cereal presents... The Adventures of Superman. the escape of Lois Lane and Jimmy Olsen seems doomed to failure, even as Superman battles against time in an effort to trace them. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. Say, uh, if you should ever happen to feel out of sorts when you get up in the morning, here's how you can knock those blues for a loop. Have yourself a black raspberry ringer for breakfast. That's this week's pep dish of the week, you know. And it's a sure cure for most anything that ails your appetite. Looks neat, for one thing, and tastes just as terrific as it looks. How do you make a black raspberry ringer? That's easy. You start off with your regular serving of Kellogg's Pet, the sunshine cereal. Then take plump, juicy black raspberries and make a ring of them on top, you know, right around the edge of your bowl. Add milk and sugar and pitch in. Of course, it takes that golden sunshine flavor of Kellogg's Pet to give this dish a lift. Pep's tender crispness adds a lot of punch, too. Fact is, no matter how you serve it, Kellogg's Pep keeps you coming right back for more until you've polished off the last spoonful in your bowl. Pep's too good to waste, you know, so handle the package carefully if you pour your own cereal. And that's particularly important nowadays when we're sending the cereal grains to fellows and girls overseas. Remember that when Mom brings Kellogg's Pep home from the grocers. Eat all your Pep. Don't waste it. Now the adventures of Superman. Because the lure of easy money had tempted her to theft, young Mary Hennig, also known as Chicky, came under the power of Al Vincent, a crook pawnbroker and politician. Under Vincent's orders, she wormed her way into a job on the Daily Planet and stole certain letters exposing Martin Higgins, a candidate for mayor and Vincent's partner, as an ally of criminals. Discovered in the act of theft by Lois Lane and Jimmy Olsen, Mary and her companions knocked out the two reporters and took them to Vincent, who said they must be put out of the way. Horrified at what she had done, Mary tried to help Lois and Jimmy escape, but failed. As we continue now, Superman has finally succeeded in tracing Vincent's hideout. But even as he streaks to the shabby tenement, a black sedan, curtains drawn, is speeding away from it through the night-darkened slum streets. 
One of Vincent's men is at the wheel. Another gun in hand sits alertly beside him. On the rear seat, their hands bound behind them are Jimmy Lopez and the thoroughly frightened Mary Hennig. What, what do you think they're going to do to us, Miss Lane? I, I just assume not know until we have to, Jim. I can't just sit here and not know what's going to happen to us. Look, Mary, you know these guys. Maybe if you ask them... I don't have to ask them. I know. You do? Yeah. Vince said it's going to look like we were in an accident. An accident? What kind of an accident? The, the kind you don't walk away from. Leaps. You, you mean... Yeah. And it's all my fault. I got you into this. You sure did. <laughs> Be quiet, Jim. I didn't want to, Miss Lane. Honest, I didn't, but I, I had to. Al Vincent said I'd go to jail if I didn't. He, he said he'd turn me in. I wish I was dead. The black sedan carrying Lois, Jimmy, Mary Hennig roars on into the night. Superman has arrived at Al Vincent's tenement hideout. Resuming his guise of Clark Kent, he knocks at the door of the ground floor apartment. Good evening, Mr. Vincent. Four. Oh, you're Kent, the Daily Planet reporter. Yes, that's right. Uh, where are Miss Lane and Jim Olsen? Who? Miss Lane and Jim Olsen, where are they? I don't know what you're talking about. I think you do. Mary Hennig was working for you when she stole the Higgins letters from our files. Miss Lane and Jim must have discovered her. I never heard of Mary Hennig or no Higgins letters either. And I never heard of Miss Lane or Jim Olsen. Now listen, Vincent. No, you listen, Kent. You busted into my shop last night looking for kid burglars and stole merchandise. Now you come snooping around here talking through your hat again. I'm not talking through my hat. I don't like that, see? And I don't like you. Now, beat it. I want to go to bed. Just a minute. If you've got nothing to hide, you won't mind my looking your place over, will you? No. I ain't afraid, Kent. Come on in. Well, here's the cellar, Kent. Look around and see if your friends are down here. Oh, I know they're not here, Vincent. Not anymore. What do you mean, not anymore? That's what I say. They're not here now, but they were here. Who says they were? I do. And here's the... What's that? Take a look at it. It's a silver shoe buckle, Vincent. It's one of a pair I gave Miss Lane last Christmas, and it was lying right here in your coal bin. That proves Miss Lane was here, doesn't it? Ah, uh, you're nuts. I don't know how that buckle got there. I can tell you how it got there. You brought Miss Lane and Jim Olsen here after they discovered Mary Hennig at the planet office this evening. You knew they could testify that Mary was working for you and that she had stolen the evidence against your partner, Martin Higgins, the crook who wants to be mayor of Metropolis. You couldn't let them testify because that would ruin Higgins' campaign, and you do. You got it all figured out, huh, Kent? You bet I have. So now if you Don't just... move, Kent. That gun won't help you. <laughs> you didn't. Not at all. Now, where are Miss Lane and Jim Olsen? Where you nor nobody else will ever see them alive again. Why, you... What did you do with them? Where are they? Don't move, I said. You're a smart guy, Kent, but not smart enough. This is curtains for you, pal. Don't be a fool, Vincent. Put on that gun and talk fast. Where are Miss Lane and Jim? On their way to where you're going. <laughs> That's all, brother. Oh, pleasant dreams. Now, out of these clothes, when Mr. Vincent wakes up, he's going to find himself up in the air with Superman. About five miles up in the sky, Mr. Vincent. What? No. I'm dreaming. You think so? Here, I'll pinch you. Feel that? Oh. Still think you're dreaming? Look down. There's the Metropolis River, way down there. It's a long way to fall, Vincent. I... How did I get up here? Hey, with you? Who are you? 
Superman. Superman? That's right. Now talk. Where are Miss Lane and Jim Olsen? I don't know, I tell you. Look, look, take me down. There's a faster way to go down. I'll drop you. No, no, no. Can you tell me where Miss Lane and Jim are? No, no, I don't know. Here you go. Happy landing. Help! Help! in time. I, I'm almost in the river. Good place for rats like you who tempt youngsters to break the law. Now, are you ready to tell me where my friends are? I, I don't know. I tell you, you got me wrong. I hate to do this, but I'm going to prevent murder if possible. Now, do you talk or do we go ride on the merry-go-round? I don't know nothing. I tell you, you got to believe me. Stop it. You told Kent that Miss Lane and Jim were on their way somewhere. No, I didn't. I still I... think you can do away with Jim and Miss Lane and see Higgins elected mayor, eh? All right, see if I can't make you change your mind. Here we go. This is called the giant figure eight. Ten miles up, ten miles down, and loop the loop. Ready to talk, Mr. I, I don't know nothing, I tell you. You're the toughest thing I've seen in a long time. All right, here's where we really go to town. Hang on, Mr. Rat. Up and around we go. <laughs> Okay, Steve, here's the place. See the jalopy? Yeah. It's over there in the bushes, like Benson said. Come on, let's go. Okay, Miss Lane and Olsen. You too, Chicky. Get out. Get out of the car, I said. Where... Where are we? Way out in the country. Ain't it pretty? Chief, it's dark. It'll be frightening, Mary. Nah, don't be scared. This ain't gonna take long. What are you gonna do? See that jalopy over there in the bushes, Olsen? Yeah, I see it. And you see the hill going down right in front of us? Uh-huh. So you three chumps are going down a hill in a jalopy, and you're going to have a little accident. What, what do you mean, an accident? There's an old quarry at the bottom of the hill, Miss Lane. It's full of water and about 50 feet deep. Get you on? No, oh, you, you can't. couldn't do that. Come on, Steve. Quit gab. Get it over. Okay, let's go. On a dark, deserted country road outside of Metropolis... Two of Al Vincent's thugs have knocked out Jim Olsen, Lois Lane, and Mary Hennig and placed their unconscious bodies in the seat of a dilapidated coupe, which is poised now at the crest of a steep hill that descends to an old water-filled quarry. Everything all set, Louis? Yeah, like the wheel. When we give it a push, it'll go right down into the quarry. Oh, <laughs> good. Now, if anybody ever finds them, it'll look like they just had an accident. Come on, let's go. Push. Okay. Uh, why ain't Vincent the smart one to think of something like this? <laughs> yeah, Vincent is smart, period. All right. Okay. Stand back. There she goes. So long, sucker! Gathering speed, the dilapidated clay bearing the unconscious Jimmy Olsen, Lois Lane, and Mary Hennig plunges down the steep hill toward the deep water-filled quarry. Meanwhile, several miles away in the dark sky, Superman holds the ashen-faced Al Vincent by the slack of his jacket. Talk, Vincent. Talk, or by heaven, Al. No. no. I, I can't stand anymore. I'll tell you. It's too late. Maybe not. Tell me. Where are they? Nerve broken at last, Al Vincent talks as, at the same moment, the car bearing our friends nears the Waterfield Quarry. Can even Superman save Jimmy and Lois now and Mary Hennig from the trap sprung by the vicious men who profit from juvenile delinquency? 
Tomorrow brings the smashing climax of our story, fellows and girls. So don't miss it. Tune in, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. P-E-P-Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents... The Adventures of Superman. Today, the fate of Lois Lane, Jimmy Olsen, and Mary Hennig rests with Superman, mighty man of steel, rocketing through space in a desperate attempt to save them. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. You know, old man's son has a sidekick who puts the finishing touches on the sunny, cheerful sort of breakfast you like best. Yes, sir. It's Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. So golden toasted and sunny looking that, well, you can hardly wait to hitch up your chair and begin. And talk about flavor. Why, Pep's sunshine flavor fairly sparkles on your tongue. Not to mention how crisp and toasted Kellogg's Pep is. How tender. How each spoonful seems to melt in your mouth. Believe me, gang, Pep is a honey of a dish to start off your day with a smile. Good for you, too. Sure, your mom knows that. Because Kellogg's Pep gives you solid whole wheat nourishment plus. So get Hep to Pep. See if you don't like that keen sunshine flavor and golden crispness so much that, well, you'll want to eat up every tender flake in your bowl. That helps avoid waste, you know. And these days, it's important that we send the cereal grains to help give good nourishment to fellows and girls all over the world. Think of that when mom brings Kellogg's Pep home from the grocers. Don't waste it. If you pour your own pep, pour it carefully and polish off every bit you pour out. Remember, eat all your pep. Don't waste it. And now, the adventures of Superman. On the that Clark Kent was Superman, Al Vince, the crooked pawnbroker and politician, attempted to shoot him after boasting that Lois Lane and Jimmy Olsen would never again be seen alive. As Superman, Kent took Vincent high into the air and persuaded him to reveal his plot against the two reporters then turned him over to the police. But at that moment, several miles away on a lonely country road, Jimmy Lois and young Mary Hennig were placed unconscious in a car which Vincent's henchman then sent plunging down a steep hill, at the bottom of which was a deep quarry filled with water. Calling on every ounce of strength in his powerful muscles, the man of steel flashes across the skyways and approaches his destination just as the car bearing his unconscious friends reaches the bottom of the hill, leaps upward with its momentum, and then begins its sickening drop to the deep quarry waters. Without pausing in flight, Superman flashes downward in a great swooping dive, snatches the car off just as its front wheels touch the wall. Up to the road. Up! Moments later, on the grass beside the road where they had been gently placed, first Jimmy Olsen, then Lois Lane and Mary Henning open their eyes, stare about them incredulously, 
Then, up at the tall, smiling, red and blue clad figure, who explains quickly what has happened, Mary bursts into tears. Now, look, there's nothing to cry about, Mary. You're all right. Superman saved you. I wish I was dead. Mary, please. I do, Miss Lane. I wish he had saved just you and Jim and left me to drown. Why, Mary? I think it's because she realizes she made a lot of mistakes and she's sorry. Well, she should have thought of that before. Don't be too harsh with her, Superman. After all, when she did realize what she'd done, why she deliberately risked her life to help us. Yeah, she was caught by Vincent. That's how come she was in the car with us. I see. Now I'll be sent to reform school. Maybe you won't be sent away. We'll do all we can to help you, Mary. Sure we will. Won't we, Superman? Yes, of course, but we mustn't forget that Mary broke the law, and it's up to the court to decide whether she's to be punished. All right, come on. Under my arms with all of you. That's it. Now, hang on. We're all going to pay a visit to Inspector Henderson. Up, up, and away! other things for Al Vinson before he sent you to the Daily Planet for the Higgins letters, didn't you? Yes, Inspector. He showed me how to steal things from stores and tires off parked cars and stuff like that. Why did you do it, Mary? I mean, steal for Vincent. Because, well, he said I could make a lot of easy money. That's what he tells all the kids. But it ain't true. He, he didn't give us hardly anything for the stuff we swiped. Well, then why'd you keep on doing it? We had to, Jim. The kid wanted to quit Vincent's gorillas and beat him up. Then he'd say that the next time he'd turn the kid into the cops and have him sent to reform school. Why, the dirty... Easy, Jim, easy. That's the way the Vincents in this world always trap youngsters. They tempt them with easy money, make them think it's smart to break the law. Once they get their hooks into a boy or girl, they never let go. Till the poor kid winds up in jail. Sometimes even in the electric chair. You're right, Superman. But I think we've got enough on Vincent now to send him away for a long stretch. Thanks to Mary's confession and to your efforts in capturing Vincent's henchmen... Those rats squealed plenty. Oh, gee, that's swell. It certainly is. How about Martin Higgins, the man who wants to be mayor of Metropolis and who sued the Daily Planet for one million dollars for slander? Cheapers, oh, I forgot Higgins that. Higgins is Vincent's partner, the power behind the big racketeers in the city. But if we can't convict him, he might win the election next week and break the planet, too. Look, Inspector, Mary can testify that she stole the evidence from the planet, which proved that Higgins was a crook. Sure I can, and I will, too. I'm counting on it. Also, my men are checking on Higgins now. If they can find that he really was associated with Vincent... Oh, I'm sure they can. Then we'll have him behind the eight ball. Tomorrow's the day. I'll see you all in the courtroom, then. The courtroom? You mean I'll be sent to reform school tomorrow? That's after the judge, Mary. Come see. Albert Vincent and Morton Higgins, rise, please. Is it, Lois? Oh, Clark, the judge just can't let them go. He can't. Albert Vincent and Martin Higgins, the court finds sufficient evidence against you in the matters of conspiracy to commit murder and grand larceny and contributing to the delinquency of matters to hold you without bail for the next session of the grand jury on June 19th. Hot dog, that's telling him, Judge. Court adjourned. So downhearted. Hey, yeah, your chin is practically hitting your knees. Oh, well, I'm just... should feel wonderful. Vincent Higgins are cinched to get 20 years apiece. That means Higgins can't possibly be mayor now, and the Daily Planet is safe. I know, it's marvelous, but I just keep thinking about Mary Hennig. Gosh, Clark, if they send her, to... well, if they send her away, it'll... it'll break her spirit and maybe kill her mother. Oh, we can do is hope for the best. Here's the juvenile court. Should be up for trial about now. Come on in.
for you. Thanks, Jim. Oh, Clark, I can't stand it. Take it easy, Lois. But why have the judge going to read his verdict? Tensely, Clark, and Lois Lane and Jimmy Olsen lean forward. Their eyes riveted on the black-robed judge and on young Mary Hennig with Dan's lip trembling below him. What will the judge's verdict be? In Metropolis Juvenile Court, the black-robed judge is about to deliver his verdict in the case of young Mary Hennig, who stands at the bar, pale and trembling. Behind her in the first row of the courtroom, Clark Kent, Lois Lane, and Jimmy Olsen wait tensely. Mary Hennig, the court has considered all the evidence in your case and finds you guilty of larceny and assault. Therefore, it is the duty of this court to sentence you to three years in the state reformatory. Oh, no. No, Judge. Quiet, or I shall order the courtroom clear. The court has, however, considered the circumstances of your case, which include the unfortunate conditions of your environment and the forces responsible for your acts of delinquency. Further consideration is given the recommendations of the police department and district attorney's office for clemency and their belief of your sincere repentance. <clears throat> What's coming now, Mr. Kent? Hold on your hat, Jim. I am therefore making your sentence a suspended one, Mary. Do hereby parole you in the custody of Miss Lois Lane. Oh, gee whiz. Oh, look, isn't that wonderful? That's great. Oh, boy, Mary's free. Is that swell? Court adjourned. And so Mary Hennig's trial is over. And Al Vincent and Martin Higgins, the corrupt politician who dreamed of controlling the great city of Metropolis appear bound for the penitentiary. The following week, as the votes are counted in the city's mayoralty election, we learn that Henry Marshall is elected. That day, in the Daily Planet City Room, Clark Kent, Jimmy Olsen, and Lois Lane are discussing the new mayor. Well, Lois, did you hear our new mayor, Henry Marshall, outline his program? No, I couldn't listen to the radio, Clark. I was writing the election story. Oh. What did he say? Well, he said the first thing he's going to do is sign the slum clearance bill. Oh, good. Then start tearing down those rat-trap tenements and build modern housing. And parks and playgrounds and gymnasiums for the youngsters. That's wonderful. Then those kids will have a chance to grow up to be happy American citizens. Sure. Mary, Jim, did you hear what Claude just said? Well, I heard Mr. Marshall on the radio. Oh, did so you? did I. Jeepers, I'm so glad oh, I... Oh, boy, I'm glad all this is over. Now I can get back to my baseball team. What baseball team, Jim? Gosh, don't you know, Miss Lane? The Unity House team. I'm the manager and coach. Not really. Boy, what a ball club. Terrific, if I do say so myself. My, my, such modesty. Yes. Oh, well, we are, Mr. Kent. We won six games and only lost one. Only lost one. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow we're playing in the semifinals for the city championship. Good boy. If we win that and then the finals, we get to play the winners of the Middle West and California tournaments for the boys' championship of the country. Oh, Gee, Bertha, I sure hope you win. So do I, Jim. Can Mary and I come to the game? Oh, sure, I'll get you passes. Well, <laughs> sure. Get me one, too. Well, I guess everything's back to normal. We can take an interest in baseball again. Why, oh, you said it, Mr. Kent. All our troubles are over. Huh? You're wrong, Jim. Your troubles are only beginning. Dangerous troubles, such as even you and Clark Kent and Lois Lane have never experienced. Fellows and girls, we're beginning a brand new and exciting Superman adventure on Monday. There's a thrilling baseball story and a gigantic fight against a dangerous enemy which tries all Superman's great powers to the utmost. Don't miss a single episode of this new story. Be with us every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pet. For excitement, the adventures of Superman.
Superman is the copyrighted feature, appearing in Superman DC comic magazines, and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pet, the Sunshine Cereal. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silverageheroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Kellogg's Pep! P-E-P Pep! Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents The Adventures of Superman! Today we begin a brand new story, a story of baseball and the discovery of a menace that will lead Superman and his friends through many dangerous adventures. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. Say, uh, have you heard about the 18-carat breakfast dish that sparkles with sunny cheerfulness? It's Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. Sir, Pep sure is a jewel of a treat. So sunny and golden, you can hardly wait to start eating. That tender crispness gives you the old come on, too. And when you do pitch in, mm, mm, what a flavor. A catchy flavor. A sunny golden toasted flavor. A top-notch royal flavor that your appetite can really latch on to. Believe me, gang, Kellogg's Pep sure is on the sunbeam when it comes to teasing your taste. Why, you wouldn't think of stopping until you've polished your bowl clean as a whistle. Which is always a smart idea, because Pep is good for you. And nowadays, it's particularly smart, because the cereal grains have been picked out to help give good nourishment to fellows and girls overseas. So, gang, get Hep to Kellogg's Pep. When Mom brings Pep home from the grocers, make sure there's no waste at your house. If you pour your own Pep, pour it carefully, and eat up every bit you pour out. Pass the word along to the rest of your family, too. Remember, eat all your Pep. Don't waste it. Now, the adventures of Superman. It is late afternoon. Superman and his guise of Clark Kent, the mild-mannered reporter, is in a taxi cab en route to cover an important newspaper story. 
He is accompanied by cub reporter Jimmy Olsen, who, as manager of the Unity House baseball team, has been given permission to leave the office early in order to attend practice. Listen. Well, we won our last two games while you were out of town. Oh, fine. And if we win tomorrow, we'll be in the finals for the boys' championship in Metropolis. Hey, that's great, Jim. Sounds like you're a top-notch manager. Oh, no. Any manager could win with Tommy Lee on his team. Who? Tommy Lee, our pitcher. Boy, he's got everything. Speed, sweet curve, change of pace. He's terrific. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Last time you were telling me about the team, your pitcher was a boy named Riggs, wasn't he? Oh, yeah, Chuck Riggs. That was before Tommy Lee moved into the neighborhood and joined Unity House. Oh? When Tommy showed us how he could throw that old baseball, Chuck had to move over. That was kind of tough on Chuck, wasn't it? Yeah, I guess so. But if Tommy's a better pitcher, he deserves the job, doesn't he? Oh, yeah, yes, of course. All other things being equal. What do you mean? Well, I mean, baseball is a team game, Jim. To be a good team, all the players must be willing to work together. That's what teamwork means. Oh, Tommy cooperates. He's a swell kid. Everybody likes him. That is, everybody did like him until... Until what? Well, I don't like to say it, but Chuck Riggs is a bit of a sorehead. He didn't like it and moved down to number two pitcher, and... Well, he's been trying to turn some of the guys against Tommy. I've had a crack down on him a couple of times. Oh? Oh, but I can handle him, though. Hey, we're coming to the Unity House ball field. Uh, stop at the next corner, please, driver. You're coming to the game tomorrow, aren't you, Mr. Kent? You bet. I'll be there with bells on. Well. Well, here's where I leave you. Thanks for the ride. Oh, you're welcome, Jim. Good luck. <laughs> all about. Uh, Tommy was asking for a poke on the nose. You mean you were? You've been trying to pick a fight with me ever since I got on the team. You're a liar. Don't call me a liar. Get out, both of you. Muggs. Yeah, Jim? I thought you were in charge of the team when I wasn't here. Is this the way you run things? Uh, they were belting each other before I could stop. What were they fighting about? Oh, Chuck was riding Tommy all afternoon. I wasn't. You be he... quiet, Chuck. Go on, Muggs. Well, then Tommy Chuck called him a dirty name and they went at it. What'd he call you, Tommy? Uh, what's the difference? I can take care of myself. I didn't call him nothing, that dirty... Skip it. Now, look, Chuck. You've been acting like a sorehead ever since Tommy got to be our number one pitcher. Now, wait a minute. I didn't start this fight. I didn't say you did, but I'm telling you this for the last time. This is a ball club, and everybody on it has got to work together. The guy who won't cooperate gets fired off the team. You get that? What are you picking on me for? Tell her to Tommy. That goes for everybody. There's going to be no more fighting around here. Got an important game tomorrow, and everybody's got to pull together. You understand? Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Batting practice now, so up to the cage. You pitch, Tommy. Okay, Jim. Come on, everybody hustle. Go, up on go. your toes. Let's play ball. Not till you move back from the plate, Chuck. What do you mean, move back? I'm in a pitch, Mark. You're leaning halfway over the plate. I might hit you with a close one. Now you put me in the side of a blind. Go on, pitch. Okay, he's there for it, Tommy. Boy, lift him off. No, I might hit him, Muggs. Move back, Chuck. Go on. I'm standing right here where I'm supposed to. Why don't you admit you're just afraid I'll knock the ball over the fence and make it look bad, you yellow punk? Why, you... Hold it, Tommy. Didn't you hear me say there wasn't going to be any more fighting? Yeah. I'm sorry, Jim. But look how he's crowding the plate. I don't want to hit him. Get back, Chuck. You get hit, it's your own fault. Go ahead and pitch, Tommy. Okay, you're the boss, Jim. Come on, quit stalling him. Pitch. Yeah, oh, come, come on. Here she comes. Look out, Chuck. Boy, I missed that one by a mile. I was off balance. Who'll miss the next one? Go on. 
Nice curve, Tommy. Look, will you please get back from the plate, Chuck? No, I won't. Get your yellow banana. Cut that out, Chuck. Go ahead, Tommy. Okay. Come on, come on, let's have it. This right to me, Tommy boy. Right down to the old eye. This guy can't hit a balloon. If he comes, look, look out, Chuck. Oh, oh gosh. Hey, I beamed him. He didn't step back. He caught like a log. Come on. A few minutes ago, Chuck Riggs, deposed pitcher on the Unity House baseball team, was beamed by Tommy Lee while deliberately crowding a plate in batting practice. Jimmy Olsen, Tommy, and Muggs revived the boy with water. Now in the locker room, Chuck is tying his street shoes as Jimmy, Tommy, and Muggs stand by. How does your head feel, Chuck? Uh, okay, I guess. You're lucky I wasn't killed leaning halfway over the plate like a dope. I wasn't leaning over the plate. Yeah, yes, you I were, too. I was not. Tommy beamed me on purpose. He didn't, and you know it. Of course he knows it. He's just talking like a sawhead. Okay, you guys can stand up for that punk if you want. But wait till you see what happens. What do you mean? What's gonna happen? You'll find out. And so will he. Now look, Chuck, it was an accident. I'm sorry, let's shake hands. That's the way to talk, Tommy. Well, go on, Chuck. Shake hands with him. Me shake hands with him? Heh, <laughs> nothing doing. Why well, have all the swords for two cents? Wait, I... Muggs. Chuck, you were warned to step back and you didn't. So what happened was your fault. I'll be a nice guy, admit it, and shake hands with Tommy. No, I won't shake hands with him. Okay, then. That makes you a bump loser and a sore head. And you don't belong on the team. You're fired. Okay, I'm fired. But I'll get you for this, Jim Olsen. And I'll get Tommy, too. You'll see. Furious, Chuck Riggs stalks from the locker room, mounts his bicycle, and rides home. As he dismounts at the small garage behind his house, he is met by his uncle, a tall, powerful built man who regards him sharply. What's the matter with you, Chuck? Who, me? Oh. Uh, nothing, Uncle Matt. Nothing, uh. And what's that big lump doing on your forehead? Were you fighting? No, sir. Don't lie to me, Chuck. I'm not lying. I... Ah, a kid beamed me with a baseball. Beamed you? Who did it? Oh, just one of the kids on the team. It was an accident, I guess. You guess? Well, I... I guess I was kind of crowding the plate in batting practice. I was pretty sore at this kid, Tommy Lee. Because he beat me out for number one pitcher on the Wait team. Wait What's the kid's name? Lee. Tommy Lee. He's a pretty good pitcher. Did and... this Lee kid just move into the neighborhood about a month ago? That's right. You know him? Well, if he's the one I think he is, his father just got appointed to the health department as a bacteriologist. I don't know what that is, but the new mayor just did appoint him to the health department. Oh. I heard Tommy telling Jim Olsen and Muggs about it. Yeah, he's the one then. Say, this works out just fine. What does, Uncle Matt? This Lee boy beating you with a baseball gives me just the angle I've been looking for. Now look, Chuck, and listen carefully. Huh? This kid deliberately hit you on the head with a baseball, see? He was trying to kill you. No, no, he wasn't. I told you how it happened. He was trying to kill you, I say. I know this boy, and I know his father. They're bad. Gee whiz, Uncle Matt. listen to what I say. They're dangerous, Chuck, these people. Unless we do something about this now, they'll go even further than beating you just the next time. Gosh, why? Tommy already got the position on the team. He don't want nothing else. Now you listen to me, Chuck. And remember what I had to say. When Tommy Lee beamed you today, it wasn't any accident. He did it on purpose, do you understand? Well, gee, I didn't think so, but... But maybe... He did it on purpose, I tell you. He was afraid you'd win back your position on the team, so he wanted to get you out of the way. Now, you remember that. Okay, Uncle Mac. Yes, now one other thing. There's Jim Olsen you mentioned. Didn't you tell me he was the manager of the Unity House team? Uh-huh. Yeah. He made your second string picture and then stood up for Tommy Lee against you. Yeah. He's been on Tommy's side ever since he came out for the team. Okay. We'll take care of him, too. Take care of him? 
What do you mean, Uncle Matt? Don't ask questions, Chuck. We need your supper. And you and I are going someplace. Yeah? Where? To a place where no boy has ever been before. A meeting of real Americans who know how to take care of these Tommy Lees and others like them. Now, go ahead and eat your supper. And look, don't say anything to your mother. Because this is going to be a secret meeting. Now, hurry. We've got important work to do tonight. Strangely uneasy, Chuck Riggs looked up at the tall, powerful figure of his uncle, whose eyes blazed with an evil fire the boy has never noticed in them before. What is the secret meeting to which Matt Riggs is taking the boy? What is behind his insistence that Tommy Lee had purposely been Chuck? Evil subversive forces are set to work against Jim Olsen and Tommy Lee tomorrow. So don't miss the next episode in our thrilling new story, fellows and girls. Tune in tomorrow. Same time, same station. Remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pet. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. Behold my precious. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, uh huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot on surprises and delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Yeehoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as low as $11.99 per month, those are backs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Kellogg's pet. P-E-P-Pep! Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents... The Adventures of Superman! Today, the accident on the Unity House baseball field has far-reaching consequences, as Chuck Riggs, under instructions from his uncle, attends a strange and secret meeting. Hello there, gang. This is your pal, Dan McCullough. You know, this week's pet dish of the week is sure hitting a lot of home runs for a lot of appetites. Makes breakfast a big league affair. It's a strawberry doubleheader, right in tune with the times and your taste. Here's the idea. You put half your regular serving of Kellogg's Pet, the sunshine cereal, in the bottom of your bowl. Then a juicy layer of crushed fresh strawberries. Finish off with more pep and a few plump berries that you've saved out. Add milk and sugar and pitch into your strawberry doubleheader. What a team. Fine ripe berries sandwiched between layers of Kellogg's Pep. A pennant winner, believe me. 
because pep is crisp and tender and light. Pep is loaded with that sparkling sunshine flavor that gives your appetite the old come on. Why, Kellogg's Pep always tastes so terrific, you don't waste any time finishing off every spoonful in your bowl. Now, that helps avoid wasting cereal, you know, which is particularly important these days when the cereal grains are being sent to fellows and girls all around the world. So, gang, when Mom brings Kellogg's Pep home from the grocers, keep this in mind. It's easy, and it's important nowadays to eat all your pep. Don't waste it. And now, the adventures of Superman. Bad feeling between two boys on the Unity House baseball team has resulted in a threat of serious trouble for manager Jimmy Olsen and young Tommy Lee. Jealous because Tommy had supplanted him as number one pitcher, a boy named Chuck Riggs heckled him in batting practice and, when crowding the plate, was accidentally struck in the head. That evening, Chuck told his uncle Matt what had happened and was surprised to hear his uncle insist that Tommy had beamed in deliberately. Playing on the boy's bitterness, Matt Riggs coached him at what he was to say at a certain secret meeting that night. And as we continue now, Matt is driving his nephew high into the dark, wooded hills above Metropolis. Listen. Look, where are we going, Uncle Matt? I told you, to a secret meeting. What kind of a meeting? You'll find out when we get there. But remember, you're not to breathe a word of what to see or hear to anyone. Not to anyone, do you understand? Yeah, sure, but, but what's wrong? Right, now, don't ask any more questions. This is important to me, so remember, Chuck. That boy, Tommy Lee, deliberately beamed you today. He wanted to kill you. Gee, I don't know, Uncle Matt. It might have been an accident. You know, I was crowding the plate. Would you get that stuff out of your head? It wasn't an accident. He did it on purpose. He was afraid you'd win back your position on the team, so he wanted to get you out of the way, don't you see? I really think he did. I know he did. Now, remember what I told you. Answer all my questions correctly, and we'll fix him plenty good. Carefully drilling his nephew to make him believe the false version of the baseball accident, Matt Riggs drives to the top of a hill, then turns down a rutted, weed-grown road which winds between the trees. Suddenly, they come into an opening, and as the car stops, Chuck gasps at the strange scene before him. In a glade, casting weird shadows over the nearby hills and lighting the sky above, burns a huge wooden cross. Before it kneel half a hundred men clothed in long robes. Pointed hoods, slit only at the eyes, cover their heads and faces, and a low guttural chant issues harshly from their hidden lips, sending an uneasy chill through Chuck's blood. While the boy looks about him at the fearsome sight, Matt Riggs dons a robe and hood on which a pale blue scorpion is embroidered. Then, followed by Chuck, he approaches the kneeling hooded band. A strangely barbaric company in the dancing light of the flaming cross. Gosh, who are all these guys, Uncle Matt? And why are you wearing the sheets and hoods? We're the clan of the fiery cross, Chuck. The clan of the fiery cross? Right. We're a great secret society pledged to purify America. America for 100% Americans only. One race, one religion, one color. I don't get it. America's got all kinds of religions and colors. Mm, when we get through, there'll only be one. Only one? But the Constitution says all Americans have the same rights and privileges. Constitution? <laughs> we'll change that. I'll be quiet. I'll be until I call on you. Attention, brothers. All hail the trans scorpion. Brothers, in the clan of the Fiery Cross, supreme authority vested by me as Grand Scorpion... I hereby call this secret session open. Arise now, and by the light of the flaming symbol of our creed, make the sign of fealty to our sacred vows. Rising to their feet, the robed and hooded figures solemnly place their right hands over their hearts, and crossing the first two fingers of their left hands, extend them toward the burning wooden cross. As under their breaths, they repeat the anti-democratic oath of the clan. Brothers, 
As your leader, I felt it my duty to call this special secret meeting tonight. Because of something of terrific importance to all of us that took place today. Something proving that our sworn enemies have risen against us. That they have already struck the first blow and are preparing to strike more blows at real Americans through our children. Here beside me stands a fatherless American boy who is today the first victim of our sworn enemies. Today an attempt was made by firm filthy scum who have moved into our community on the life of this American boy. Now wait, brothers, wait and listen. I want you to hear this terrible story from this unfortunate young victim's own lips. Okay, Chick. Now you tell her the story and tell it the way I told you to. Make no mistakes, you understand? Well, uh, I used to be the pitcher on the Unity House baseball team, and I I was fired from that position when a new guy joined up. Yeah. And tell us about this boy, Chuck. Is he like us Americans? Uh, no, sir. Could he ever be like us Americans? No, sir. Are his family Americans? Well, they're citizens, but... Yeah, answer the question. Are they good 100% Americans? Uh... No, sir. No. Now go on with your story. What happened today? Well, we had team practice today, and I was up at bat. This this kid was pitching, and he deliberately threw a fast ball and beamed me. Tell us how you know this attempt to kill you with a pitch ball was deliberate, Chuck. Well, he he said he'd get me because because he wanted to make sure he'd keep the pitching spot. And, and what else? And because when he won a boys' league championship game, why... Why, it'd give his kind of people a, a sort of weapon to use against American folks like us. Good, good, good work, Chuck. It did swell. Well, did you hear that, brothers of the clan? <laughs> that young whelp who is not a true American, who can never be a true American, tried to kill this fatherless American boy. And why? Because he has been schooled by his kind and their foreign sympathizers to strike against our plan for a pure, clean America, an American free from mixed races, mixed colors, and mixed religion. Are we going to stand idly by and see this scum weasel their way into our neighborhoods and our jobs? Are we going to stand by and watch their striking at our children and yours and yours and mine? No, indeed, we strike back, and the time is now to get set for action. The fiery cross... Burns tonight. His heart hammering with fear, Chuck Riggs begins to feel the icy fingers of doubt creeping up his spine as he watches the fanatical fury aroused in the hooded men by his Uncle Matt against what he knows to be a family innocent of offense. But he is powerless to stop the frenzy clan's first act of blood-chilling violence scheduled to take place that night. The following morning, Jim Olsen is alone in the Unity House locker room when Tommy Lee enters, his face wan and drawn. Oh, hiya, Tommy. You late for practice. Hurry up and get into your uniform. No, Jim. I'm quitting the team. What? Oh, now, look, Tommy. You can't do this to us. But we need you. Why, your pitching is the mainstay of the team. We fall apart without it's you. It's swell you to say that. Oh, but... I mean it. Gotta have you for today's game. It's the playoff in the semifinals. Well, look, you know I'm not just doing this to let you and the other fellas down. It's just that... Well, I guess I might as well tell you. Last night, a burnt cross was planted on our front lawn by a bunch of men wearing hoods and gowns. Well, you know what that means to my family, don't you? Sheepers. That sounds like the Fiery Cross clan. But, but why you and your family? If you don't know, Jim, I can't tell you. I don't know how I can find out. Look, you go home and sit tight, Tommy. I'm going to see Mr. Ken and tell him about this. And right away, I'll see you later. <laughs> 
gloried at the thought of losing his star pitcher and puzzled by Tommy's startling story, Jim Olsen rushes off to seek the aid of Clark Kent. What is behind this un-American threat to personal freedom and safety? Alarmed when his star pitcher, Tommy Lee, told him he must quit the team because of a flaming cross, the terrifying warning symbol of the fiery cross clan that was placed on the Lee lawn last night, Jim Olsen rushed to the Daily Planet, where we find him now discussing the outrageous incident with Clark Kent. Fiery Cross Clan was even organized in Metropolis, Mr. Kent. Neither did I, Jim. This is very bad news. And how? Another thing that gets me is why they're picking on Tommy Lee and his family. Hmm. Who are the Lees, Jim? Would I know them? I don't know, but I think you'd know about Tommy's father. Huh? He's the man who was just appointed city bacteriologist. Oh, he is, eh? Uh-huh. Do you know him? No, I don't, but I know now at least one reason why they've been singled out by that hooded mob. You do? Mm-hmm. I also know that they're in danger, Jim. They're in great danger. Why? What did they do to... Oh, it isn't what they've done. It's what they are. Do you know where they live? Sure. Gee whiz, Mr. Kent, why... Come on. I'll answer your questions on the way, Jim. We've got to put a stop to this sort of thing before it goes any further. But before we do anything, we're going to have a talk with Tommy Lee. Let's go. Unaware that he, too, has been marked future vengeance of the hooded band by its leader, Matt Riggs, Jim Olsen hurries out after Clark Kent, still puzzled by the reason for the un-American attack on Tommy Lee's family. Why are these people the object of the vicious secret band's fanatical hatred? What will happen to the Lees and to Jim Olsen if this grim, cowardly warning of intolerance is ignored? Tomorrow's episode is tense and exciting as Superman begins a fight against the most dangerous enemies to personal freedom and democracy in America. Tune in, same time, same station. Don't miss it. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pet. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pet, the sunshine cereal. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. P-E-P, Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents... The Adventures of Superman. Today, stunned by the threat against Tommy Lee and his family, Clark Kent and Jimmy Olsen prepare to call at his house, where the symbol of hate had burned an ominous warning. Hello, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. You know, every once in a while, I try to figure out what's the most important thing about Kellogg's Pep that makes it such a slick treat for breakfast. Let's see, I say to myself, uh, maybe it's Pep's tender crispness. You know, the way those delicate flakes of whole wheat practically melt in your mouth. On the other hand, I say, uh, Pep is called the sunshine cereal. Must be that sparkling sunshine flavor that gives my appetite the old come on. Then again, I think of how Kellogg's Pep is good for you, and how it teases your taste so that, well, you want to eat a hearty, solid sort of breakfast. And gang, I always come to the same conclusion. Kellogg's Pep is tender and crisp and sunny flavored. It's a smooth dish that has everything to make your appetite sit up and take notice. So there's probably no single reason why you always want to eat up every spoonful in your bowl. But here's a reason why that's a particularly smart idea nowadays. 
you wouldn't want to waste cereal when we're sending the cereal grains to fellows and girls overseas. So don't waste Kellogg's Pep when Mom brings it home from the grocers. Pour it carefully and eat up every bit you pour out. That's a cinch, isn't it? Eat all your pep. Don't waste it. And now, the adventures of Superman. Jealous because Jimmy Olsen, manager of the Unity House baseball team, had selected young Tommy Lee, newcomer, as number one pitcher, a boy named Chuck Riggs tried to rattle Tommy by deliberately crowding the plate in batting practice and was accidentally struck in the head. That night, in the glow of a burning cross at a secret meeting in the hills above Metropolis, a band of robed and hooded men heard Chuck and his Uncle Matt, their leader, state that Tommy Lee had tried to murder Chuck. Matt Riggs called for immediate action against Tommy and his family, whom he denounced as un-American. An hour later, a cross of fire, symbol of the hooded mob, was burned on the lawn of the Lee home. The next morning, Tommy resigned from the Unity House team. Shocked, Jimmy hurried to the Daily Planet, where he told the story to Clark Kent, who, as we know, is Superman. Listen. Mr. Kent is why the fiery cross clan should burn a cross in front of Tommy Lee's house. Well, they're nice people. Dr. Lee, Tommy's father, is a well-known bacteriologist. Bacteriologist? Uh-huh. You mean Dr. Juan Lee? That's right. Mayor Marshall just appointed him to the health department. Why would they want to bother a man like that? Because the clan of the fiery cross is made up of intolerant bigots, Jim. They don't judge a man in the decent American way by his own qualities. They judge him by what church he goes to and by the color of his skin. By the... Sheepers... You mean... Yes, this bigoted mob is against Tommy Lee and his family because they're Chinese. Gosh, I thought we were all through with this kind of stuff when we cleaned up on that rat Frank Hill and his Guardians of America. Oh, intolerance is a filthy weed, Jim. I told you before, the only way you can get rid of it is by hunting out the roots and pulling them out of the ground. Now, come on, we've got to move fast. Where are we going? See the Lees. We've got to get them to help us get rid of that clan. What goes on here, Tommy? Why all the packing? We're moving, Jim. Moving where? Out of town. Out of town? Holy smokes. I was afraid of something like this, Tommy. Uh, Jim forgot to introduce us. I'm Clark Kent. Oh, I'm sorry. Glad to know you, Mr. Kent. I'm glad to know you. Is your father here? Well, he went out to help Mom. Oh, here he comes. Dad, you know Jim Olsen. Oh, glad to see you again, Jim. Thanks. And this is Clark Kent. He's a reporter on the Daily Planet. Friend of Jim. How do you do? How do you do, Doctor? Won't you sit down? We're rather torn up at the moment. But there is one comfortable chair. Uh, Tommy, uh, Tommy, bring our guest some refreshments. Oh, no, no, thanks. Please, don't bother. Look, Dr. Lee. Yes? I hope you won't mind my asking, but isn't this decision to move rather sudden? Um, yes, it is. I'll bet it's because of that burning cross on your lawn last night. Is it, Doctor? Yes. Well, may I suggest that you're making a mistake? Running away isn't the answer, you know. Do you know who burned the cross on my lawn, Mr. Kent? Well, the fiery cross bunch, of course, but well, I... I have seen them do their dirty work in other parts of the country. And I know that hooded mob of fanatics will stop at nothing when their hate and greed is aroused. Not even murder. Cheapers. I have a wife and a daughter younger than Tommy, Mr. Kent. Would you have me leave them exposed to danger? No, of course not. But I think you'll endanger them more by knuckling under to that hate mob. Look, Dr. Lee, they figure the more people they can frighten, the stronger they become, and the harder it is to stamp them out. That's right. And unless we do stamp them out, no place in the country will be safe for you. Or for any other Americans who happen to be of a different race or color or who practice a different religion. That's right, Dr. Lee. You've got to stand up and fight them. I would stand up and fight them, Jim, if only my own life were at stake. But I have a family. I must think of their safety. You're absolutely right, sir. But the police will protect your family. I'll see Inspector... I cannot depend on the police. These fanatical bigots are cowards who masquerade as law-abiding citizens by day 
But when it becomes dark and they can't be seen, they put on their sheets and hoods and become wolves. For all I know, or the police either, my next-door neighbor, who always greets me so pleasantly, may be one of them. Yes, that's all very true, but look, Dr. I hate to leave Metropolis, Dad. I like my school, and, and I'm the pitcher on the Unity House team, and, and all. I know, Tommy. I hate to leave, too. I have the position I dreamed of all my life, and now I must give that up and start all over. But it cannot be helped. I tell you, it can be helped, Doctor. If only you'll cooperate with those who want to help you. How do you mean, Mr. King? Look, most Americans realize the danger of allowing tolerance to breed. Now, we saw what happened to, to Germany and Italy and other European countries when a, a gang of murdering bigots like the Fiery Cross mob got in power. Now, that's why I suggest you stay here, Dr. Lee. Keep your job and, and let Tommy pitch for his team. That way, we'll be able to flush these hooded cowards out from behind their sheets, and then we can clap them in jail. Hey, that sounds good to me. What's, Dad? But, Tommy, if something happened to you and your sister and your mother... Look, I'll guarantee to have a special police officer assigned to guard this house. Oh, believe me, Doctor, you'll be safer here than running away. Because unless we stop this fiery cross clan now, they'll get you no matter where you go. Perhaps you're right, Mr. King. Well, you mean you'll stay then, Dr. Lee? Will you, Dad? Yes, Tommy. We will stay. Fine. Oh, boy, that's well. And how? Get set to pitch for us this afternoon, Tommy. Come on, it's after 12 and the game starts at 2.30. I'm already, Jim. Are you coming, Mr. Kent? I'll be along later. I want to call Inspector Henderson first. How about you, Dad? Are you coming to the game? Yes, son. I will be there. Swell. Come on, Tommy. Okay. So long. See you later. Yeah, so long. Goodbye, boys. Good luck in the game, fellas. Thank you. Now, may I use your telephone, Dr. Lee? I want to call Inspector Henderson and arrange police protection for you. By all means, Mr. Kent, help yourself. Thank you. Uh, if you will excuse me a moment, I will go tell Mrs. Lee to stop that. Certainly, go right ahead. Well, guarding the Lees from harm is going to be a real job for Superman, I'm afraid. Those hooded gangsters won't stop it. Great Scott! Jim! Tommy! Look out! You'll be killed! <laughs> Galvanized into instant action by a danger to Jim Olsen and Tommy Lee, visible only to his X-ray vision, Clark Kent leaps six feet through the air and, like a thunderbolt, crashes through the window without even taking time to strip off his disguise. What is happening? As Clark Kent was dialing police headquarters in Dr. Lee's home, suddenly shouted a warning, then hurled himself through the window and out to the sidewalk, where Jimmy Olsen and young Tommy Lee were about to mount Tommy's bicycle and drive to Unity House Ball Field. Now Kent rushes toward them. Off that wheel, boys, fast! Hey, what's what the idea, you? Mr. Kent? Look out! I'm going to wheel it away from the house. There it goes. Now look, Mr. Kent. Stand back, Tommy. She was one. Jeepers. Look at that. Why, the bike exploded. Good heavens, what happened, Tommy? There was a small bomb under the seat of Tommy's bicycle, Dr. Lee. A bomb? Yes, it was set so that if the boys had ridden off the curb to the street as they were starting to, that bomb would have gone off. Holy but, but who put it there? Your guess is as good as mine, Doctor. But my hunch says that our friends in the robes and hoods wanted to make sure you'd understand their warning to get out. Yeah. Also, make sure Tommy couldn't pitch today's game. Why, why, this is an outrage. They might have killed Tommy and Jim. Now I'm determined not to leave Metropolis until every cowardly member of that gang of hooded murderers is behind bars. That's the way to talk, Doctor. Fighting attitude is the best antidote for a poison like the clan of the Fiery Cross. Wow. Do you realize what almost happened to us, Jim? Yeah. Boy, was that a narrow escape. Well, listen, Mr. Kent. Hmm? Well, you were in the house. How could you see the bomb under the seat of the bike? Say, that's I... right. How could you, Mr. Kent? You've got an important game this afternoon, haven't you, Jim? Sure, but first I'd I'll like to know... Now, look, here, take this money. Now, I'm buying you fellas a taxi ride to the field. Now, come on, you two, get going. I expect you to win. We'll win, all right. We've got to win now. Come on, Jim. 
Hailing a taxi cab, Jimmy Olsen and Tommy Lee ride to the Unity House baseball field, believing themselves safe. But within five minutes after they arrive, a man steps into a phone booth in a drugstore, carefully closes the door, and dials a number. A moment later, he is answered by Jack Barton, an officer in the clan of the Fiery Cross. Hello? Jack, this is Will. Something went wrong. What do you mean? Tommy Lee just arrived at the field. What? Yeah, Jim Olsen was with him. Bill must have bungled the job. You stupid fool. Matt Briggs will hit the ceiling. And how? What do we do now? Where are you? In a drugstore across from the field. Call George and Charlie and tell them to get right over. I'll call Matt and tell them to meet us there in five minutes. We can't let that lead kid pitch today. As the cowardly undercover forces of the clan of the Fiery Cross move once more swiftly into action against Tommy Lee, family, and Jim Olsen, the boys, all unaware of the danger that threatens them, prepare to play off their semifinals championship game. What will happen? What new action is planned by the hooded menace to freedom and democracy in America? Superman has undertaken a job that will tax even his extraordinary power to the utmost, as we will see in tomorrow's thrill-packed episode. So don't miss it. Tune in again tomorrow. Same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's God's Pet. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pet, the Sunshine Cereal. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. P-E-P-Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents... The Adventures of Superman. Today, as the Unity House baseball team warms up for its big game, the clan of the Fiery Cross plans a new attack on Tommy Lee, innocent victim of their hate and bigotry. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. Say, here's a curtain raiser that scores plenty of hits and runs with your morning appetite. It's this week's Pep Dish of the Week, Strawberry Doubleheader. And does Kellogg's Pep the Sunshine Cereal team up swell with red ripe strawberries? Try a strawberry doubleheader tomorrow, and you'll see what I mean. First, you pour half of your serving of Kellogg's Pep in the bottom of your bowl. Then uh, pour on a layer of crushed fresh strawberries. Add the rest of your Pep, and then put on a topper of a few big berries you've saved out. Finish off with milk and sugar, and then see how swell Kellogg's Pep stacks up with the strawberries. Believe me, that sparkling sunshine flavor sure rise and shine. Pep's tender crispness is way out in front, too. Fact is, Kellogg's Pep is so all-round good, you want to eat up every bit in your bowl, which is certainly the right idea, especially now that we're sending the cereal grains to fellows and girls across the seas. Remember that when Mom brings Kellogg's Pep home from the grocer. And remember to pour it carefully if you pour your own Pep. Because this is a particularly important time to eat all your pep. Don't waste it. 
now the adventures of Superman. A young Chinese boy named Tom Lee, star pitcher on the Unity House baseball team, has been threatened by a group of intolerant bigots who call themselves the clan of the Fiery Cross. And because Jimmy Olsen, who was acting as manager of the team, defended Tommy, he too is marked for danger. Following the burning of a cross on Tommy's lawn and a cowardly attack on Jimmy and Tommy, which was foiled by Superman, the two boys went to Unity House Field, where their team is to play an important game. As we continue now, 20 minutes before game time, an ominous scene is taking place behind the locker room, out of sight of the field. At Riggs, Grand Scorpion of the Clan of the Fiery Cross has been joined by Will Jennings, another hooded monster. Jennings has a tough-looking boy from the opposing team in tow. Listen. Sure this boy's okay, Will? Yeah, he's Pete Miller's kid. His name is Art. They get that. Just call me something. So you're Pete Miller's boy, huh? Well, that's fine. Your father's a very good friend of mine. Yeah, yeah, I know. Say, uh, tell me, how do you feel about this Chinese boy you're playing against today? You mean Tommy Lee? Yeah. Didn't you put up a fight about your team playing with him? Sure I did. I raised tech. I tried to get the guys to say they wouldn't play Unity House unless they took that chink off the team. Oh, good boy. Did you know what our coach, the playground director, said? No. What did he say? He said Tommy Lee was an American, the same as the rest of us. And anybody who just... Well, what do you call it? Discriminated against him was a bad American. Oh, he did, eh? what you say to that? Ah, nothing. I had to shut up. Now I'll show everybody what a p*** this Tommy Lee is. Wait till I bat against him. Sure, I'm sure. But look, what do you really think about this boy's pitching? Well, I... I, I guess he's pretty good, all right. He shut out South Park last week with only one hit. Well, it looks rather bad for your team, don't you think? You know, it'll make him look good and our kind of people look bad. You wouldn't like that, would you? Ah, uh, what are you building? Maybe he won't beat us today. Well, the chances are he will, unless, uh... Yeah? Unless what? Unless you keep him out of the game. Me? How can I? I told you I tried to. Well, now, let's see. Suppose Tommy was hit in the head or in the arm by your bat. Now, wait a minute. I can't do that. I'll get pinched. Maybe worse. I, I can't... Oh, wait, you little fool. I don't mean for you to walk up to him and brain him. I was talking about an accident. An accident? Of course. You know, you can make it look accidental, so nothing can be pinned on you. Now, I remember when I used to play ball, I swung so hard with my bat, it flew out of my hands. See what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I get you. Okay, leave it to me. I'll take care of that guy. But good. Hey, you got quite a big turnout. For this game, Jim? Yeah, it's the semifinals playoff, that's why. Oh. Now all we have to do is win. How's the team looking practice? Well, pretty sharp, Mr. Kent. How about Tommy Lee? in good form? Why, yes, sir. He's got all his stuff today. Good. Take a look. He's over there next to the batting cage, warming up with mugs. Oh, yeah. Gee, what a sweet curve that boy throws. Oh, you said it. Tommy's the best pitcher in the boys' league. And he's got to face the best hitter in the league today. Oh, really? Who's that? Stuffy Miller, Central Playgrounds, first baseman. Which is he, Jim? Well, he hasn't come in yet. Oh, there he comes now. Uh, the husky kid going to the batting cage. See him? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Say, he looks like a tough baby. Yeah, he is. Boy, can he powder that old apple. Yeah, huh? Old Tommy to be sure not to give him anything good to hit at. Hey, look. Look, he's about to hit one now. Hey. Wow, he missed it by a mile. Look at Mr. Kenny swung so hard he fell down. It's a wicked cutoff, man. You better tell Tommy to move farther away. Tommy? Uh-huh. What for? This stuffy lad jumps in to meet the... When he swings, he's out in front of the cage. If that gets away from him, Tommy will be right in line for it. Oh, there's not much chance of that. Just the same, it's dangerous. Watch, now, here comes the fish. 
Just doesn't jump forward to meet it. He's out of the cake. Oh, his bat's flying out of his hands. Look out, Tommy. Time to change clothes now. A stuffy, heavy bat flies at Tommy Lee, whose back is turned to the batting cage. Clark Kent goes into action. There is only a dark blur through the air as he speaks across the diamond with the speed of light, snatches the whirling bat as it is about to strike Tommy Lee's head, and carries it out of sight beyond the field. Two minutes later, adjusting his hat and glasses, he emerges from the crowd around the diamond and rejoins the astonished Jimmy Olsen. Mr. Kent, what? Relax, Jim. Tommy wasn't hit. I know he wasn't, but but you, what? Where, what about what, me? What happened to you? What do you mean? Well, you were right here beside me just a minute ago, and well? then when the bat flew out of Stuffy's hands, you, you disappeared. I disappeared? Yeah. It was a kind of a blur through the air, and, and you just vanished. Oh. Hey, I, uh-oh. I'm going to play ball. You better forget everything else now, Jim, and get working on your team. I want to see you win this game. Well, you just watch. See you later. Okay. Sports reporter, folks, bringing you the latest report of the semifinal game in the boys' championship tournament between Unity House and Central Playground. At the end of the sixth inning, the score is Unity House 2, Central Playground nothing. So far, it's a shutout for Central with Tommy Lee, Unity House hurler, pitching a perfect no-hit, no-run game. It's a home run. Hat up, boy, Muggs. Keep on going, boy. Three to nothing in our favor, Mr. Kent. Uh-huh. All Tommy has to do is hold them two more innings and we're in. I got my fingers crossed, Jim. This is your Daily Planet Sports Reporter again. We'll tell you that at the end of the eighth inning in the semifinal game between Unity House and Central Playground, the score is Unity House 3, Central Playground 1. Unity House pitcher Tommy Lee is pitching a bang-up game with 12 strikeouts so far, including Central's heaviest hitter, Stuffy Miller, who fanned out twice. <laughs> Too bad they had to get another hit, Jim. It cuts down your margin. Yeah, but it's still three to two in our favor, Mr. Kent. Tommy can just get by Stuffy Miller again, we win. Well, he's doing a beautiful job on that mound. Yeah, but if Stuffy gets hold of one, he'll hit over that fence, sure as shooting. Then it's a long ball game for us. Well, here's hoping Tommy can whip him again. Uh, he... Uh-oh. Another ball. Yeah. Makes it three and two. Here comes the payoff pitch. Nice work, Tommy! House players rush to surround Tommy Lee and shake his hand, and the crowd cheers wildly. Matt Riggs and Will Jenkins, scowling darkly, push their way out of the field to the street. Well, we're skunked again, Matt. Yeah. Now that chink here, Tommy Lee, is the big hero of us here. All the papers will probably print his picture with a story about how terrific he is. Uh, don't you worry. We're going to give him something else to put in the dirty paper about that leak tomorrow. What do you mean? Call a special meeting of the action committee tonight in my garage. We fool around long enough with these chinks. Now we're going to take our gloves off. What does Matt Riggs mean? It is 9.30 at night. The Riggs garage behind locked doors and shrouded windows. Twelve men garbed in the robes and to the clan of the fiery cross. Listen to the venomous, hate-scorched words of their grand scorpion, Matt Riggs. A single candle set on the floor creates weird, grotesque shadows of shapeless hooded men and the elongated, waving arms of their robed leader. The time has come for action against these foreign scum who dare demand equal rights with Americans. Look what they've done already. The Chinaman Dr. Lee wormed his way into the health department, stealing the job which our last mayor had promised me would go to one of our brothers, Will Jenkins. Yes, that's right. Double and Lee's son crowded my nephew Chuck off the Unity House baseball team. 
And to make sure he kept his job, he beamed Chuck yesterday, intending to kill him. Ah, uh, fine, Hank. Well, let's do something about it. Today, because the players of the opposing team were afraid this murderous young whelp, Tommy Lee, would beam them too, they lost the game. And now Tommy Lee, a chink, is cheered and written up in the papers as a hero. Down, what up? Down, what up? I'm telling you, the game has come to real action. We must show the Lees and all their kind that we mean business. That we intend to defend our homes and our families against them. Brothers, I propose that we go to the Lee house now. And take that murderous boy, Tommy, and tar and feather him. Wait a minute, Matt. Suppose the kid dies. Oh, let him die. It'll teach him all a lesson. Well, what do you say, brothers? Are you with me? Yeah, good. Then get the truck out. The clan of the fiery cross acts tonight. Using vicious lies, Matt Riggs inflames his followers into an attack on the innocent Lee home and young Tommy. An attack which may mean murder. What will happen now? Why Superman has saved Tommy Lee and Jimmy Olsen from the cowardly attacks of the two-footed beasts who hide behind sheets and hoods. But Superman has no knowledge of this new and vicious threat. How can he find out in time to act? Tomorrow's episode is tense with drama and excitement, so don't miss a minute of it. Tune in tomorrow, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pet. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pet, the sunshine cereal. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silverageheroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! Excelsior!